If we haven't met, my name is Dominic. I'm one of the pastor elders here. Uh, before we get into what we're going to talk about this morning, um, I wanted to follow up on something that I preached a year ago this month, so January uh, 2019, that we really believed was a word from God for us in 2019. If you remember, it was the word R-E-A-D-I, ready. R-E-A-D-I, ready. And I shared that, I wasn't sure, but I just had this sense that in 2020, um, that there was going to be some kind of like spiritual harvest. God was just wanting to do stuff, and there was going to be some kind of significant spiritual harvest in 2020. And if God was going to be doing something significant like that in 2020 through us and around us, then we need to be ready. I felt like it was the word that God gave me. And it was, I think it's called an acrostic. Is that what that's called? Okay. I don't know. I, yeah. Thank you. It stands for uh, rhythm of rest. R, okay. It's rhythm of rest, eternal eyes, act availability, deep digging. So rhythm of rest, uh, by way of just reminder, because I think this was really significant for us. Rhythm of rest was uh, being intentional about creating margin in our lives for rest and Sabbath, which is a command of Scripture and something God even did in creation, right? The E stood for eternal eyes, meaning that, that we would have an eternal perspective. We wouldn't see with earthly temporal eyes, but with eternal uh, heavenly eyes. And this requires being with Jesus. To see like Jesus requires being with Jesus. Active availability was the next one. Um, God works through his people, not independent of his people. And so the encouragement was begin a practice of making yourself actively available. Not just like, well, yeah, I'm here in case God wants to do something, but like, God, I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm looking for opportunity to be available to participate in what you're doing. The D stood for deep digging. And the idea was, what, what is God doing in your life right now? Dig deeper into that. Is he showing a new part of himself to you? Is he uh, teaching you a new practice, a new spiritual practice? Dig deeper into that. And then lastly, the I was for intentional investing, both internally and externally. Intentionally investing internally to become healthier, emotionally, mentally. Like what are we filling our minds with physically so that we are ready for youth in the kingdom of God, and then investing in intentionally externally, specifically the things that I, I felt like God wanted to say was in, uh, in, in what we do, like our calling, who God has called us to be, and then also in others, externally in others, planting seeds in people's lives, looking for opportunities to pray with one another, looking for opportunities to be agents of God's presence in each other's lives and in our community. And we heard from a lot of you after we preached this message that uh, it, was, it was significant. It felt like a prophetic, if you will, word for us as individuals and us as a church in 2019. And so I just wanted to follow up and say, how's that going? Because I heard from a lot of you like, dude, that was a word from God. How is that going? And if you kind of fell off the bandwagon with your like focus of that, that's all right. This is not a like, 2019 only word. This is like a life word, right? God is always wanting to move, whether, you know, in certain seasons, there's like an outpouring of God doing stuff. But regardless, he is always moving. And so I want to encourage you to keep your hands on the plow. There is stuff happening in the kingdom of God, you guys. Things are shifting in the kingdom of God. 
God is moving people around. There is transition happening in the kingdom of God. There's transition happening in the reality family, if you know anything about what is going on. God is moving. There is stuff happening in our community. Some of you are experiencing that personally. The king is on the move, and so let's be R-E-A-D-I ready. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let me pray for us, and then we'll get into uh, what we're really talking about today. Lord, it is a privilege to be called ambassadors of Christ. So crazy, we are so unqualified. And yet, we have your spirit in us, which empowers us to be more like you, Jesus. You somehow chose to make us carriers of your presence. Like we get to host your spirit. That's wild, God. You call us the temple of God from which even living water will not just flow into us, but out of us. We get to be agents of that, transporters of that, conduits of that. That is wild, Lord. Thank you for your great faithfulness this last year. I know for a lot of people, it was a hard year. It was just hard. Thank you for carrying us through. Thank you that you will carry us again. We ask that as we talk about some family business today, uh, man, we would see you in it, Lord. We would see you in it. We tune our ears to uh, anything you want to say to us as a people corporately or as individuals. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so like we alluded to, this is a different kind of Sunday. Uh, it's what we call like a, like a family meeting kind of a Sunday. If you are visiting with us, this is like very different than anything we would normally do. I'm sorry, but you're going to learn a lot about Reality Ventura today. Uh, at the beginning of every year, we like to kind of pause and take stock of our missional faithfulness. We like to look at what, what has been happening in the previous year. We call it a mission update. Um, if this is your church, this is definitely for you. So we're going to talk about a few things today, one of which is money, how we, how we gave to the work of God, how that money was used in the kingdom. But before we dig into that, I just want to remind us why we should care about this. Because if you're like in, in like a finance career, you're like, yeah, I care about money. I, care. I love you. This is your favorite Sunday of the whole year. I hear from you guys. Or if you like are very uh, invested in your personal finances and that is like a priority in your life and you personally invest and you're always looking at your bank account and you're just trying to be a good steward and you faithfully tithe and all that, and that's like a priority in your life, you probably love these Sundays. Or if your past church had money problems or never talked about money, this is probably very interesting. You want to know this stuff. But for the rest of us, we're like, dude, I could care less, right? But we should care. So the question is, why should we care? Here's why. Because God cares. We should care because God cares. Check out what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, and God will generously provide all you need. Okay, it's beautiful. We're receiving, right? God's going to give us everything we need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. This is God's plan. Yes, you will be enriched in every way, receiving, so that for the purpose of you being able to always be generous to others. This is a picture of God's plan and is a sign of spiritual health and maturity, receiving giving out. 
This is health. The Dead Sea is not healthy, right? It's dead. You can't, nothing can even live in the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is dead because there is an inlet, a receiving. The River Jordan pours into the Dead Sea, but there is no outlet. Everything comes in, it's just receiving everything, and then there's no outlet. And so therefore, nothing can live in it. Spiritual health is the same way. When we receive what we are given, but don't just receive, but also give away that which we have been given, it keeps us from being unhealthy, like the Dead Sea. On the other side, when we are receiving, but we do not give away, then we become, like the Dead Sea, unhealthy, lifeless, and salty, (laughs) You ever been, the Dead Sea is so salty. You ever been there? It's so salty, nothing can live in it. You know some salty Christians? They're just like bitter about everything. Bad mood all the time, just salty. They probably like the Dead Sea. They're just receiving from God but not giving out anything. If you're salty, start giving away. Maybe your saltiness will go away. We become like the Dead Sea when we're not interacting uh, with money in the proper way. We can become like the Dead Sea. Unhealthy. So these financial metrics are one of those metrics that we can look at to try to measure the health of the church. That's why we should care. So there's two questions that we like to answer with finances when we're getting a gauge for missional faithfulness as a church. Uh, The two questions are, how is our giving generosity and generosity at Reality Ventura? And then how are we as a church financially investing in the kingdom? And we're going to address those two questions in the next several minutes here. So first of all, we're going to put up a few very nice slides that Brian made. This first one is uh, what, what was given. Total ties and offerings this year, what was given. You guys gave over $1.3 million to the work of God happening in and through Reality Ventura. Yeah, amen. And as you'll see though, uh, that's down 16% from last year. So that's significant. I'll talk about that in just a second. Um, However, up 18.4% in the last four and a half months. So maybe that'll even out this year. Who knows? But yeah, 16% down year over year from last year. By the way, um, these metrics are all our fiscal year 2019. So that's like starting in September this last year, a year before that. So the end of 2018 into toward the end of 2019. Um, We don't have the last four and a half months. But yeah, 16% down. First of all, because the first question is like, dang, are we okay as a church? Like, is everything going to fall apart? Are we going to lose our building and have to fire a bunch of staff? And is everything going to fall? No, (laughs) everything's fine. (laughs) Even if we were out of money, God's church is still God's church. It's still going to be fine, right? We didn't start it. We don't sustain it. Jesus sustains it, and he can do it without money. Uh, But there is enough money. Nobody's jobs are on the line. The staff is fine. We are on track to still do everything that we had planned to do. We are running with a lot of margin, thankfully, um, and being really frugal in that way. We've been able to send money out, as much money as we wanted to. We've been able to send out. By the grace of God, we're not stretched thin yet. We have even uh, been able to save some money this year for what's coming in the future. But obviously, when we have a significant dip like this, we have to ask ourselves, why? What is the reason behind this? And there are generally two reasons why this could happen. Number one, uh, people are giving less money. So that could be like a a generosity 
issue. People are giving less money. Or number two, there are less people giving. For us, it is number two. There are less people giving in, in the last year than there were in the previous year. Why were there less people giving? Um, because there were less people coming. We had a decrease of 15% in attendance year over year in the last year. Um, by the way, that's why we count once a month. We always count attendance once a month so that we can have a right pulse on what's going on and make these connections when we need to like this. This last year was just one of those years for whatever reason where a lot of families at reality felt like they were being called somewhere else. And to my, to my knowledge, nobody that I could think of left on bad terms. Sometimes people leave because they're bummed about something. You know, they don't like the way something happened or whatever. Uh, I don't know about any of those. I'm sure they're out there. But, you know, usually those people just leave and don't say anything. The people who are, like, totally good and it's all healthy, they come and talk to you. By the way, if you're ever going to, like, leave a church, that's fine if God's calling you somewhere. Go talk to the people. Go talk to the leaders. If there's a problem, ideally you talk to them before you're going to leave and see if there's a resolution to the problem. But even if not, still talk to them when you're on their way out. It's healthy for you. It's healthy for them. But most of, if not all of these people, when they left, it was good, fine reasons. I talked to many of them. But nevertheless, they're not here. And if they're not giving here, if they were giving here, now they're not giving here, obviously, that money is not happening here. Maybe they're giving somewhere else. And that's cool. That's the kingdom of God, right? That is the kingdom of God. I'm stoked for that money to be used in the kingdom. But it's not here, which is represented by that 16% down right there. Um, now, when there's a, a decrease in attendance... We, we also like to ask the same questions, right? We, we don't just like be like, oh, I don't know what's happening. Well, it's God's stuff. I don't know. It's, it's healthy for us to be like, is there a reason? Is there something we're missing? Um, why is there a decrease in attendance? Why did people leave? Um, if someone leaves for a, a reason of something that's like, they just felt like something was wrong, like we have to take stock of that, right? And say like, is this something that we're missing? Do we need to change something? And so we, we like to know those things. But in this case, um, most of the people who left, and they left for good, healthy reasons. However, we still want to take stock as a team and as leaders, as the elders, and say, okay, is there something unhealthy going on in our church? We want to take stock of how healthy is our church. 16% of the people who were here a year ago aren't here anymore. How is the health of our church? The short answer is, and those of you who have been around since the beginning, I, th I think will attest to this because I've talked to many of you. The short answer is, honestly, Reality Ventura is as healthy as, as it has probably ever been. I've been here since the beginning. I was in CARP since the beginning. Reality Ventura is probably as healthy as it has ever been. If you serve and you're involved in some way, or you're leading a community group or you're in a community group, you feel that. It's healthy. Like there's good stuff. God's doing stuff. It's healthy. Relationships are healthy. There's no like divisive stuff happening under the surface. There's no gossiping happening. People are coming to Jesus. There's a lot of stuff I want to talk about later that, that kind of measures all that stuff. The church is healthy. So then what do we do with the apparent contradiction? Well, dude, if stuff's healthy, then there should be more people. Because that's how we think as Americans. Like bigger is always better. I get 13 miles to the gallon in my truck. Bigger is not always better. 
So what do we do with this apparent contradiction? People left, but the church is as healthy as it has ever been. Life lesson here, okay? Life lesson here. When there is some kind of deficit, right? There's like a decrease in something, but stuff is as healthy as it has ever been, then there's probably not a problem. There's probably a pruning happening in your life. So I know this is like a church update. I'm not supposed to preach. I'm just going to preach for just a second, okay? This is good for us. This is good for us. Sometimes in life, there is an excess, and sometimes there is a deficit. There are seasons of growth and seasons of pruning. Somebody who has been around for any time at all, say amen. Amen. There are seasons of growth and there are seasons of pruning. You know the seasons of pruning. The time when the times when everything feels thin, right? You're emotionally thin. Your peace is wearing thin. Your patience is wearing thin. The only thing that's not thin is you because you're trying to like eat away all the pain or whatever, right? You know those seasons, those seasons where uh, it feels like there is great loss or there appears to be great loss. You're losing jobs, You're losing money. You're losing your temper. You're losing friends. You're losing hair. Dude, I never lost hair before. This church made me lose hair. I know I look like I have a lot of hair. I'm going bald right here. And I have faith in God to give me money when I need it, but not more hair when I need it. Sometimes you're losing stuff, right? There are seasons when it seems like there was a a great loss, seasons of scarcity, in the life of the believer. In scripture, we see sometimes seasons of sowing, right? You're sowing, you can't even see any fruit, yet. you're sowing. Then there are seasons of, of reaping. We all love that season. Get to see everything, get to enjoy the fruit. But then there's seasons of pruning and even seasons of things dying in order to sometimes come back to life or maybe they're just dead because they weren't healthy for us at all. There are times of decrease or so it appears. And in the times of decrease or the apparent decrease, we must ask ourselves, is God trying to kill me or prune me? Like, Lord, it feels like you're killing me. And sometimes we're there, right? Like, God, I'm dying. You hate me. You're killing me. Are you killing me or are you pruning me? That's the question. Are you killing me or are you pruning me? Well, God doesn't kill his children, okay, but he does prune them. Jesus said, John 15, I am the vine. Later he'll say, you, to his disciples, you're the branches. So Jesus, the vine, we're the branches that come off the vine. My father is the vine dresser. That's the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. In life and in the church, there's pruning. Is the pruning fun? Not usually. Does it hurt? Yes, usually. However, Don't reject the Lord's discipline when this happens. And don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Pruning happens in life. And it's not enjoyable, but pruning happens in the church as well. Sometimes God moves people on from churches, probably because they are most likely not bearing fruit there any longer. 
Maybe because that environment is not the best environment for them any longer to bear fruit in. And they're probably not the best environment for that church to bear fruit. It's not necessarily somebody's fault. It's not necessarily bad. If it's God, then it's actually good. I had friends. I had really, really close friends that have been at reality for a long time that this year, separate from each other, disconnected from each other, three different families that I was really close to, like Christmas parties with, all at different times during the year. We're like, hey, dude, I just feel like God's calling us somewhere else. They all ended up going to different churches, some in Thousand Oaks, some in Ventura, some Camarillo, for different good reasons. And when I am able to, like, I take that personal, right? Because when you're in my position, you take everything like that personal, at least somewhat. But when I'm able to disconnect myself from the personal offense of that and just be a friend, I'm actually like, dude, I see that this is best for your life. I see that this is best. I I celebrate that God is doing that. You were at reality for a long time and reality was the perfect place for you to be, have an environment for growth. But I see that there's something else for you in this season. And that is good and that is right. Sometimes God does that. And when you see changes like this, you gotta ask yourself, okay, is this change that's uncomfortable or whatever, is it exposing a problem? Is there something wrong? Or is it just a pruning? Here's the litmus test. If there's spiritual fruit, then it's most likely not a problem, but a pruning that needs to be resolved. I'm sorry, I was a typo. If there's supposed to say, if there's spiritual fruit, it's most likely not a problem that needs to be resolved. It is a pruning that needs to be received. Okay, here's the here's the litmus test. I'm struggling. Is there spiritual fruit in my life? Is there spiritual light, fruit in my life as a result of this struggle? Okay, it is most likely not a problem I need to fix then. It is just a pruning that I need to embrace. It is a pruning I need to receive. So there was a decrease, but there is spiritual fruit. So is it a problem or is it a pruning? It's a pruning. Best we can tell that is a pruning and we should use that same litmus test in our lives. So back to this that first number, um, here's what the most important thing is about that number. What does this number say about our spiritual health? That was my little like aside preaching moment back to like the update. Uh, what does this number say about our spiritual health as a people, as a church? Not just our financial health as a corporation, but our spiritual health as a people. Because remember the number one requirement from God for church leaders is to care for and tend to the people tend to the people. How many of you know that God cares more about the person than he does about the pocketbook? So when we look at finances as church leaders, we're always asking God, God, what does this say about the people? And here's what this says about us. It may be different than you think, actually. This actually says we are a generous, maturing people. Bro, 16% down does not sound generous or maturing does not sound healthy or maturing. Here's why this is generous and maturing. Because last year, 58% of our church gave. This year, 66% of our church gave. 66% of our church gave. A higher percentage of people gave in 2019 than in the previous year. Praise God. This demonstrates growth in our church. More of us per capita are giving. More of people who call this place their home are investing in the kingdom of God that way. 
And of those who did give, the average person gave about $3,000 a year, which was the same as the year before. So people aren't, giving didn't decrease. More people started giving about the same amount. Obviously, some of us gave quite a bit more than that. Some of us gave quite a bit less than that $3,000. For some of us, you gave just a little tiny bit, but it felt like a million dollars because it was a brand new practice for you to give to the work of God in that way. And you're like, oh, you're feeling it. It required faith. Generosity had to be stirred up in you and it required faith. And there are more people choosing to live like that than there were in the previous year. So as a pastor, I'm like, dude, that's amazing. I love that. Yes, good job, church. I can't control the people who are being called somewhere else or who, if they leave for some negative reason, I can't control that. But like, this is beautiful. We can celebrate this. There are more people choosing to give generously and in faith than in 2019 than in the previous year. And here's why that, that stokes me out. Because when we start giving away what we have been given, we become healthier, happier, and more alive. Remember the Dead Sea? When we start not just receiving, but giving out, we become healthier. The Dead Sea is not healthy. But you look at the Mediterranean Sea, inflow, outflow. It's healthy. Stuff is alive. You become happier. Ain't nobody happy being around the Dead Sea. It's disgusting, it smells, nothing's alive, it's salty, it's gross. You start giving away, you're happy. Mediterranean Sea, happy. It's happy. And you become alive when we start giving like that. And when we are generous, we are living out of our identity as image bearers of God because God is generous in nature. That's crazy, man. When we are generous, we are actually embodying part of the character of God. God created us in his image and he is generous. And so we're actually partnering with his character when we do what he does and we, we give away that which we are receiving. Okay, moving on. So as a church, how are we financially investing that money then in the kingdom? Uh, first thing that's important is we're committed as a church to investing in others. We are committed to investing in others. What that looked like in 2019 is that about $140,000 was set aside for sending out specifically to the nations. It's a little bit more than 10% of what came in was set aside to go out, which was actually more money than we could send out in a timely fashion, which is crazy. Like we were like, oh my gosh, what do we do? Like praying, trying to stay in step with God, but there's too much money to like send, which is an amazing problem. Most of us don't have that problem probably with our own finances, but it was, it's amazing to have that problem as a church. FYI, uh, it is always uh, our goal, and we always make it a goal, to set aside at least 10% of our budget to kingdom work, to give to kingdom work and kingdom people in the kingdom that are not right here on the ground in Reality Ventura. So we're committed to investing in others. Secondly, we are committed to investing in people. I'm going to put up this pie chart here, uh, which is why 51% of our budget, you can't even see, oh, you can't see it. On the bottom left, it says people. Um, that bottom half, 51%. Uh, people, that is, that's why 51% of the, the, this pie chart is dedicated to staffing the church paying our, our staff and our team. 51% of the budget in 2019 went to investing in kingdom people here at Reality Ventura who will then invest in other people on the ground here. 
Our best practice, as a, just, just so you know, is to keep this number under 55 to 60%. And by the grace of God, we've been able to do that. We already talked about the 10% global there. Um, sometimes that number will also contribute to uh, church plants within the Reality family, but there was none of that happening this year, and so it was all set aside specifically for global ministry. FYI, if you don't know, uh, we use the word global ministry instead of uh, missions and the phrase global partners instead of missionaries for two reasons. One, every Christian is technically a missionary because we have all been sent by Jesus to wherever we are or wherever we are going. Okay, so it's actually more accurate to call them global partners. But not, secondly, not only is it more accurate, but is also more obscure, um, which is a good thing when people are going to countries that are hostile to the gospel. Um, 15% of our budget went to facilities, which is, in case you're wondering, within the normal range of churches in America. 18% of our budget went to operations. Operations is anything from uh, the youth budget to replacing broken computers to replacing all the lights in the sanctuary when we have to, like we had to this year. Uh, 18% went to that. And then we were able to save some money this year. Uh, This is more of a reserve fund than it is a a savings account. And right now there's about $250,000 in that reserve fund. And these funds are reserved for generally for big ticket items or one-time expenses like all the ACs units go out and we got to spend $100,000 to replace them or the roof starts leaking. And for things that might be coming in the future, like we would love to build out our next door space at some point and use it for more kingdom work than it's currently being used for. So that's the end of that part. Uh, If you ever want to access the church's most current financial information, go to realityventura.com, happenings page down at the bottom. There's usually our most updated quarterly finance report there. Very briefly, next, I'm just going to, mention our team. Uh, I'm not going to go into much detail at all, but I'm going to put this picture up on the screen. (laughs) Jesus, by the way, that's probably nothing like what Jesus looked like, but it's artistic and fun, so. Uh, Jesus is at the center because we really do believe what the Bible says is true, that Jesus is the chief shepherd of the church. Um, Oh, Elena's still on there. We need to update that. Uh, I thought Brian updated it, but I guess not. It's his wife. That's Brian's wife. So he's probably like, I'm just going to keep her on there because she's cute. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Anyway, so this is our team. Jesus is at the center because that's, we really do believe, like what First Peter says is true, that Jesus is the senior pastor of the church, chief shepherd, senior pastor. He started it. He's sustaining it. It's going to be around way after we're gone. And the elders of the church, me, Billy, and Chad, who are the first... Three, I know you don't recognize me without the beard. I look seven years younger without a beard. I need to, never never mind. Uh, Myself, Dominic, then Billy, Chad, we are the pastor elders. We lead in plurality, mutual submission to one one another, all following Jesus together. Um, If you want to learn more about what that looks like, how we do that, why we do the team teaching thing, come to our This Is Reality next Sunday night, uh, where we're going to talk in depth about all of these things. So real quickly here. Dominic, Billy, Chad, we are all pastor elders uh, focusing on overseeing different parts of stuff in the church. We'll talk more about that next Sunday. This is reality. Anna, she's our kids ministry director. Next row down to the left, Leanne and Kelly co-direct our women's ministry together. Jesus. (laughs) Uh, 
Brian is our director of musical worship and creative arts. That is his wife, Elena. Uh, and then the next row down to the left, that's John. He is our acting finance director. Chrissy, who's our bookkeeper. Jen, who coordinates all of our global stuff in conjunction with Chad, who's the elder over that. Uh, Dave, who's our youth guy that we hired just this last year. And then Lori, who is our ministry operations coordinator, which means she pretty much runs everything. That's our team. Uh, yeah, you can clap. That's fine. I'm not going to say anything else about our, our team. However, if you have been here for a week or several years, but don't, still don't feel like you know our team or how stuff works, the, the, our vision, our values as a church, you need to come to This Is Reality next Sunday night. I think it's at 6 p.m. It's going to be right here. We're going to talk about all that. The staff will introduce themselves more in depth, talk about what they uh, lead, what they coordinate um, at that This Is Reality. There's also a board of directors that is not pictured here. Uh, there's four people on that board, including myself. Um, the Bible teaches clearly that the elders ought to lead the church, but we, we lean on our board to help us make financial decisions when there is a conflict of, elders, or conflict of interest among the elders. For instance, if we're like talking about giving raises to the whole staff, we're not gonna make that decision. We ask the board to act as the, the auxiliary finance team on behalf of us, and we are so thankful for them. On that board is myself, John Hughes, Don Tucker, who's a part of our church, and then Tyler Morgan, who's a pastor at Reality Carpinteria. Okay, here's the last thing I want to do. Uh, Tim Chaddock, I need to call him and tell him this because there, he said this phrase when he preached two weeks ago that has not left our minds, uh, at least with like the staff and the elders, at least. He said this phrase, stir up your affections for Jesus. And he talked about how everything that we do in the church, it was just like a two-minute thing, but I think it was a prophetic like, word for us. Everything in the church, the stuff we're talking about in announcements, mission updates once a year, prayer meetings, youth ministry, why we worship through song, it is all in order to stir up our affections for Jesus. It is all in order to stir up our affections for Jesus. And so I don't even have time to talk about all of the good things that God is doing, all of the things that measure health in a church like this, but I just want to share a few things. And as I do, let these things stir up your affections for Jesus. This is, this is not a way of saying, look how awesome we are as a church. This is a way of saying, look how awesome Jesus is and how cool that we as a church get to participate in what he is doing. Let these things stir up your affections. These are some of the things that we look at uh, when we're measuring health and that encourage us as we're asking ourselves about the health of our church. Okay, we're going to put this list up. First of all, there is a real sense of God's presence at our gatherings. That is real. We can't control that. All we can do is make space for that. There is a real sense of God's presence at our gatherings. People are responding, not just listening, but responding to the word of God when it is preached. That doesn't happen everywhere, but that happens here. I'm so thankful for that. People worship with intent here at our church, even when it's just a guitar and a couple microphones. There's no band. People are worshiping with intent. So thankful for that. There is a sense of family among our worship team in particular. Man, that's like 20 or 30 people that serve at this church. They, none of them get paid. They get here at six o'clock in the morning. They're rehearsing all week. I mean, they're given like a day or and a half of their lives if they're on this stage. And they do it joyfully. And there is a sense of family among them. 
This year, speaking of worship ministry, we raised up another worship leader, which might sound like no big deal, but that is a one-year, extremely intentional process. We don't just let anybody lead. I'm talking like they're on their own. They can lead an entire worship set. They got to be here for years before that. They got to like adopt the culture, understand the DNA, and then we spend a year raising them up. Most churches have one or two anointed gifted worship leaders that are this size, churches this size. We have six of them. There is more of a culture of kingdom family at our church than there has ever been. Speaking of which, there is a culture of community, like Christian community. People are gathering in community. Just in our community groups, there are almost 250 people gathering every single week in community, in our community groups, sharing their lives with one another. That's insane. That's almost half of our church is in community groups right now every single week from Ojai to Santa Paula, Somis, Moore Park. By the way, there's three groups that have a couple of spots left if you need to get in there. This last year, hundreds of women's lives were impacted. There were over 100 women showing up to quarterly worship nights to worship Jesus. 180 women attended the worship retreat in, uh, the women's retreat, I'm sorry, in March. That's like, 60% of the women at our church, over 200 women came out. Almost 75% of the women at our church came out to the the Christmas gathering to worship Jesus in December. Over 100 women in both Bible studies this year. 30 new leaders and teachers were identified in the women's ministry, which by the way, we launched live preaching this year with the women's Bible studies. And Leanne and Kelly have had to identify ladies who are gifted by God to preach God's word. And they're there preaching to these women every week. And from what I hear, they're just killing it. Um, Dozens of women and kids gathered regularly to encourage one another uh, through the Flourish ministry. God is transforming lives in women's ministry. Marriages were spared from divorce. Relationships healed. God saved people. He's tearing down walls, specifically, Kelly said, of self-reliance and fear. God is tearing down walls of self-reliance and fear with the, the women in the church. Prodigal daughters came home this, back year who had been, this last year who had been gone. People came to Jesus who didn't know him. In the youth ministry, like I mentioned, we finally found the guy. This last year, we finally hired the guy. We were looking for him for like a year. We finally found the youth guy. My daughter's in high school, you know. She comes to our youth group, and so this is very personal for me, but like students are bringing their friends to church who don't know Jesus. Boyfriends, girlfriends. I don't know why they're dating non-Christians anyways, but like whatever. They're bringing them to church, right? Missionary dating is what I think we call that. We, we graduated a bunch of high school seniors last year who are now junior high leaders. Like graduated from high school, now they're serving as youth leaders in the junior high ministry. Students are falling in love with Jesus. Last year they developed uh, their own worship team, youth-led worship team, and now they're leading worship at youth group on a regular basis. Training for a Mexico missions trip right now. They did like 30 events last year. De-church kids, unchurch kids, church kids coming. There's 30 high schoolers at a youth camp right now. Here, this is a picture of health in the youth ministry for me. Let me just really quick. I don't tent camp. I tent camped every summer of my life with my mom and stepdad in places like Mojave Desert in the summer. Six kids, one tiny tent, 120 degrees, Hard dirt floor. I don't tent camp as an adult. 
I stay in hotels or I stay home, okay? That's how our family rolls. But my daughter, who doesn't tent camp, doesn't like the cold, and doesn't like to exercise for fun, (laughs) went to the Sierras on a hiking trip, camping in a tent. That's a picture of hell for me. I'm like, and she loved it. I don't know if she'll go back, but she loved it. That's a picture of health in the youth ministry to the glory of God. It just feels like there is health there. We are sending people to the nations. Chad mentioned it in announcements. We are a sending church. There are people who we are partnering with who are on mission around the world as extensions of Reality Ventura in Ethiopia, in Central Asia, in Macedonia. After years of preparing this year, we sent the Wagners to Northern Africa. We have global connections and global friends doing kingdom work in Ethiopia, in Uganda, in Vietnam, in Thailand. The Zavalas were back this year from training in Mexico, and we plan to send them this summer to mainland Mexico. We, We were able to receive two of our missionary couples and families back, Justin and Priya from Central Asia and Nat and Wes from Macedonia, as they came and took a furlough, came and took a break. And then we hosted this thing called Perspectives, which is like a college-grade 17-week course on gaining God's perspective for the nations. And 80 people showed up to it every week. Lastly, people are being miraculously healed this last year. I know of at least five that I participated in, like miraculously, physically healed. Dozens of people that I know of decided to follow Jesus for the first time this year. We baptized over 75 people this year. And I believe that there is more. I believe that there is more. Would you stand with me, please? Yeah, praise God. Let's stand together. Come on. So here is my charge, church. The king is on the move. Okay, what's the king's name? Jesus. Okay, the king is on the move. Number two, he's always moving through his people. The question is, are his people, R-E-A-D-I, ready? The word ready was not just for last year. This is a life word. This is a life word. And all of this, all of that stuff we just put up on the screens should stir up our affections for Jesus. Katie, if you could just come to the stage. All of this should stir up our affections for Jesus and move our hearts to want to worship him. Our mouths were filled with laughter, the psalmist wrote, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Today, as we sing right now, let Jesus increase our joy. Let Jesus increase our joy as we sing. You're still here because God's faithful. Whatever happened this last year, whatever happened last week didn't take you out. You're still here because God is faithful. God has been faithful to us this last year. He will be faithful to us moving forward. Because of it, he deserves our praise. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for your great faithfulness toward us. Thank you for being the rock that we can stand on. Can we just lift our hands to him and praise? Jesus, you are the king. You are high above the earth. There is nobody like you, Lord. You're faithful 
from generation to generation to generation. And so now, we want to sing about it. We want to say, you're good, God. You've been good since the day we were born. You said to Jeremiah, I knew you in your mother's womb. You knew us in our mother's wombs, and you called us to yourself even before we could speak or think thoughts. And so we say, God, our eyes are on you. We look to you. Church, let's worship him together. Let's lift our voices. I don't care if you sing good or not. Let's lift our hands. Let's stay here. Let's fill this room with praise. And in doing so, let's fill this city with praise. And in doing so, let's fill this county with the praise of Jesus. Amen.